The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department. Visiting with us, Deputy Chief Roger Toombs. Roger, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. How are you doing? Doing great. Good to have you with us today. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great too. Ate a little too much, but I understand. Doing okay. <laughs> Assistant Chief Jeff Wright is also with us. Good morning to you. Good morning. Pull those mics up real close to you. Let them be your best friends for the rest of this hour. And we're going to be talking about things that uh, the public needs to know about to be safe, not only right now, but all year long. Is there something people need to do? Uh, here we are in the middle of winter, or not in the middle, we're in the beginning of winter, uh, and it's it's been pretty cold here and there. Uh, anything we need to do to make our lives safer during this cold, cold weather? Well, most of the time, uh, some of these older homes has got the in-wall heaters. Uh, a lot of people has the, think they are cut off, but they're not really cut off, and they put combustibles up against it during the summertime. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets really cold, they forget about that, and it kicks on, and it could cause fire. We've been to several of them in, in my career that happened like that. So be careful. Uh, when, don't put anything near no. anything that flames. Don't put anything near a heater, you, you know, okay. especially if you got a portable heater. You know, of course, now they got the type where if it kicks over, it cuts off. But some people still got the old ones, and they forget to have them on, and they get close to close to combustibles, and that's when we have issues. But you know, this main thing just keeps up away from the heaters. So, is there a, a safer kind of heater than others? I mean, we have all sorts of heaters. People are got getting. Uh, mm-hmm. They're getting the electrical heaters. Right. They're getting the. Uh, uh, infrared heaters. Yes, that, uh, that's that's one of them. Uh, the kerosenes, the gas. Yes. Is is there a a heater that might be safer than others, or are they all safe if you use them? They're right? all yeah, they're all safe if you use them properly. Uh, the kerosene heater, you got to be very careful because it also dries out the air. Uh, but the most important heater I think that you should get is the one that when it does fall over, it does cut itself off. Because okay. a lot of people leave it unattended and forget about them. And that's when you might have some issues. So, and I guess a pet could knock it over. Or Absolutely. Anything. Never know what's uh, what's going to happen there. So, uh, and are you better off with a general total house heater as opposed to the little unit sitting around? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, since we had the HVAC systems, I mean, all your heat's outside and your air's outside. We have less and less fires due to that. You know, back in the olden days when I started, we had a lot more fires because of people heat inside with fireplaces or portable heaters or kerosene heaters but it's a whole lot safer now when you got a air conditioner unit outside mm-hmm. now our fireplaces they seem to be popular these yes, days yes they are uh are, are those uh, anything we need to be aware of with a fireplace well main thing about it, if it's a wood burning fire is that you uh, make sure it's clean properly um they have was it chris what's it called chris so yeah chris over uh will cause some issues in your in your chimney mm-hmm. uh, also some people uh make sure you put their guard in front of it mm-hmm. so it won't pop out with you know some sparks uh 
all heaters are safe if you use them properly. Now, what about the logs? We, we see a lot of these uh, fake logs yes. run on gas. Right. Uh, are those pretty safe? To my knowledge, they are, yes. Uh, of course, I got one in my house that's electric. Uh-huh. But uh, it's like, like I said, any time you use them properly, you, you shouldn't have any issue whatsoever. Okay. And I had uh, heard from uh, the chief when he's been on, he says fires are a whole lot different these days. Correct. From what they used to be. Yes. Uh, you need to get out of the house quickly because everything is pretty combustible. Well, you know, it used to be when we started our career, most of us made out of wood and cotton, which is natural fabric. But now you got so many synthetics that it, it burns a lot faster and a lot hotter, but also it, it gives out gases. So, yes, you need to properly get out and have a safe, a safe place outside with, for your family. Everybody knows where to go so you can be accountable for. You know, don't try to go back inside. Uh, a lot of people try going to get some valuables, and we have some instances where they suffer some severe burns or, you know, worse than that. But main thing is get proper, you know, smoke detectors. Uh, make sure they're working properly. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of them now you got them just wired in, but with battery backup, and that's why we all say, you know, when we change the time, uh, change your batteries. So, in our guys at the community risk, boy, if you call our number eight nine three one four two two, and we'll give you your address, and our guys will be more than happy to come out there to assist you if you need batteries put in there or if you need new smoke detectors. Um, we got we partnered with the state on a. Uh, to get out safe and and we more than happy to come out to check your smoke detector or more than happy to replace your smoke detector or change your batteries out we want you to be safe out there that's uh, what you pay your taxes for jeff on on these smoke detectors i know when we uh moved uh, into the house we're in now which has been quite a few years ago they said just put a smoke detector out in the hallway outside the the bedroom but i understand it's it's a little different nowadays yeah when we do go out and uh do these installations and things like that we do recommend having a smoke detector in every bedroom now not just the hallway leading to the bedrooms uh a lot of your fires are going to occur most of the time around 2 a.m between 2 and 6 a.m uh, most people are going to be sleeping at that point in time so if you do have those detectors in your bedrooms and things like that that's going to give you a little more advanced notice you know if something were to happen in one of the bedrooms instead of maybe waiting until the smoke reaches the hallway uh, another thing that they really push now is to close the bedroom doors at night when you go to bed you know that will keep the fire spread down and things like that too by simply just closing those bedroom doors at night so that that's another big campaign that they've really been pushing um, with closing the bedroom door if you have children uh, especially little ones real little ones mm. they they sometimes uh, don't uh, get comfortable with opening and closing doors in the dark or if you have pets wandering around uh, is there a, is is that a must do do you think to be safe we see it both ways. I mean, I, I have some kids at home, and they're just now getting to the point where we can actually close the door and things at night for them, you know, as a protection thing there, too. Uh, a lot of times when we talk to people, you know, they talk about not being able to hear if somebody were to try to break in their residence or something. You know, there's always that concern, too. So, But from the fire standpoint, I mean, that that is a safety thing, you know, that could protect you and your family members at night by simply having that door closed to allow the fire department to get there you know and the fire maybe hasn't spread as far as it could with those doors and things that would be open where it would travel throughout the house faster so it really does 
slow the fire down. It will. It will slow the fire down, and it's a, another means of protection to give you time to maybe get out the bedroom window or something like that if there is a fire that has your access cut off or something, you know, in the hallway leading to the bedroom. So by having that door, it's going to keep that fire. It's going to hold it out a little bit longer to give you time or to give us time to get there to assist you in getting out of the residence. Now, being a part of the fire department, especially Burfordsboro Fire and Rescue, uh, it's changed quite a bit, I would imagine, say over the past 10, 20 years. It really has. And I mean, a, a lot of your building construction and things like that is so much different now than what it was 40 or 50 years ago, simply from the materials and stuff that they built the houses with. Uh, a lot of this prefabricated stuff and things like that, it burns super fast and you don't have as much time to get out of a residence now that you did maybe 40 or 50 years ago, simply because of burn, how quick the burn actually will occur. I thought when they changed codes each time, that was to make things safer for us. If it burns quicker, that doesn't sound like it makes it safer. No, it, and it really doesn't. And a lot of the reasons that they do things like that uh, is cost factors. I mean, they can manufacture a lot of this mm. press board and things like that. And, uh, you know, they can uh, manufacture homes quicker because uh, the way the market is right now, I mean, you can put one on the market in a couple of hours, it's going to be sold right now. Oh, so yeah. they're really having a struggle keeping up with a building on them as well. So, <laughs> Roger, while we're talking about things that are in the house that are flammable, mm -hmm. uh, what about insulation is a big thing. We hear, uh, be sure you have enough insulation. Is all insulation pretty much the same, or is some safer? To my knowledge, I think it's pretty much all the same. I know some of the older homes have got this cellulose insulation, which is more or less paper that they treated. And when we have some fires at them older homes, we had to make sure we get all that, that out because it can reignite. I know we've had situations where they have reignited if you don't get it all out. But going back to uh, if you have a house with upstairs and your kids sleep upstairs, make sure you get one of them chain ladders that you can hook, on, hook upstairs somewhere so they can get a way out down the side of the building. Uh, we highly recommend that. So have a good way to get yes. out of the house. And like I said, I already have a safe haven somewhere outside so everybody can be accountable for it. I would imagine that would be really important. Yes, sir. And how do you get into the children's minds if they're up there by themselves upstairs that it's important for them to go out and use that mm -hmm. chain ladder and go to that safety point? Well, it's something you got to practice something at least once a month. I know our old fire marshal, Honeycutt, he, he would teach his kids how to close their eyes and crawl out the house or how to use the, the chain ladder bed upstairs. But it's something that you got to practice at least monthly so they get that in their mindset. What, if they do have a situation that they, they are, it's already there in their mind, they can get out. So that has to be just part of what they do? Yes, yes. And we reach out to them at the schools as well. Right. During October, that's Fire Prevention Month. And when we go out, I mean, that is one of the things, you know, that our, our, our groups, when they do go out, we have some of the apparatus actually go to some of the schools mm -hmm. and do talks. And uh, just talking to the kids, right. you know, making sure that they understand the importance, you know, of practicing this at home. Because, you know, we give them the literature and stuff and they go home and uh, most kids, they, you know, really take to this stuff and they take this information home to their parents. So we're really hoping that the parents listen to the kids for a change, you know, on something like this and do practice and have a plan, you know, to get out and stay out and have a meeting place and things like that. Because uh, what's going to happen, uh, mom and dad, if the kids do get out on their own and mm -hmm. if they don't go 
maybe to a specific meeting place, the parents may try to go back in looking for the kids and they may themselves not be able to exit the uh, occupancy. You know, at that point in time, they may not get out. So uh, we really press on that during fire prevention during the month mm-hmm. of October. So Now, as you look at the fires that you answer, uh, whether it's a business fire or a home fire, mm-hmm. are there any types of fires that seem to pop up more than usual? I mean, uh, just a, a major percentage of the fires are this kind. Most of our fires that we have in residential has caused the unattended cooking. <clears throat> That's, I mean, yeah, we really preach that, that, you know, make sure you stay in there while you're cooking. Also, and when you get done, uh, make sure you cut everything off and make sure you keep the kids away from the stove and keep the handles turned towards the the uh, controls so the kids can't get over and knock the, the pan off on top of them. But most of our fires aren't due to unattended cooking. So other than staying in the kitchen and not wandering away and forgetting that you have right. something cooking, uh, what could you do to make that kitchen safer? Well, my, my most important thing is, is to, you know, like I said, keep everything put up properly. Make sure all your uh, cooking items are cut off. And if you're not using them, especially if you're not in there, just make sure to you know, it's just be safe. Are fire extinguishers important these days? I remember hearing a lot about that when I was growing up, but fires are pretty different now. Yes, I, we we recommend fire extinguishers. Uh, some people put them right beside the stove, which is not the best place to put them at. Put them in an area where you can get to them so you can't extinguish the, any item. So it's the grease fires on stoves. Okay, so is there a special fire extinguisher for grease fires? Well, they got a, a fire suit called ABC, which covers several different types. Of, you know, I think it was flammable, mm-hmm. combustibles, paper, combustibles, and flammable liquids. Several years ago, there was conversation about putting uh, sprinkler systems in homes. In fact, I think they talked for a bit about uh, making it mandatory maybe it is mandatory i don't know i don't think uh, it's mandatory right now no uh is, is it beneficial does it do is it that good i mean yes. you see the results of it i mean it, it it's got the part of war it it, it sting, it's like a little fire on the scene it extinguishes the fire pretty rapidly in early in the incipient stage so yes it's a it's a very handy tool yes correct so when we're talking about the furniture and having material in it that is very flammable mm-hmm. uh, getting to the scene is is ultimate I correct mean, yes and the only way to get to the scene usually quickly enough is through a sprinkler is that right or it, with a fire extinguisher well, fire extinguisher in the sprinkler system yes i mean of course our response time is about a little over three minutes uh, so we we got a great response time but still that's three minutes is a pretty long time on the on the fire scene yeah that's what i've been hearing yeah. about how the how the flames uh, w- with this material in sofas and carpets and what have you, uh, it, it's really accelerating uh, the burn. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very rapid burning fire um, with, with the type of synthetics they use now. And like I said earlier, it puts off some, some serious poisonous gas as well. So it's, it's Hadn't even thought about that part yes, of it. Yes. I mean, people don't realize that when we got plastic stuff that burns, it, it puts off certain gases. So... Staying low to the ground, is that important or does that do anything? Absolutely, because, you know, smoke rises, so you stay low to the ground and, and, you, and you follow the walls out. To, you know, you follow the walls around till you get to an exit. It's very important because we've had some situations where firefighters, 
uh, we got Nomex hoods and which protects your neck and running your face mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i seen some of them get up stand up and want to be putting fire out and the steam will come in and burn the back of their nomex hood and have some uh first degree burns on their neck so yeah you stay low to the ground that's what yeah, where all the heat and the smoke rises now for a person who's obviously you you walk more normally you're you're, you're more right. in control if you walk out as opposed to crawling out on your your knees and what have you uh as long as you're feeling normal as you're trying to get out of the fire, is it okay to stand, or does that come over you where you you just pass out and you don't realize you're getting ready to do it? Well, you, yeah, when you, if you it's also depletes the oxygen in the room, so you want to stay down low. That way, you won't get up. In, if you stand up, it's twofold: you could get severe burns or smoke inhalation. Or you know, deplete oxygen. Yeah, it's possible you could you know pass out. Mm -hmm. And without even knowing, without even realize it. Yes. Oh, so it's 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 something you don't realize is about to happen. Correct. Wow. Uh, and, and I guess that's also a concern with children. Children might not be thinking about that unless you've had those uh, tests that you, you've talked about mm -hmm. having the practices. Yes. Uh, the kids could be trying to escape, and then just pass out and. And they would be quiet and low and, and hard to find in the smoke. Yeah, right. and we and once we go around to the schools, that's something else that is, you know, went over with the kids as far as being able to crawl out of the residence and things like that. Because, like Dave Chief said, the smoke and the heat and stuff start from the ceiling as the fire grows, mm -hmm. and it works its way toward the floor. So when our crews, when they actually enter the residence or, you know, the business, whatever it is, we're going to come in crawling most of the time trying to get down where we can actually see when we come in as well. So uh, we have a good time with the kids when we go out and do this stuff. You know, we tell them, you know, if they were to be trapped or something, once the fire department starts to come in the to get our attention any way they can you know if that's throwing a shoe to hit us or whatever right. they need to do to get the attention drawn to them so we can get them out you know before the fire reaches that point so uh you know we we practice what we preach on a lot of that stuff we enter the on our hands and knees and we want them exiting mm -hmm. too that way if they're trying to get out and we're coming in we're going to be able to find them some things that will save lives we're talking about this morning this time of the year, fires are on the increase. Fires are much more deadly than they used to be because of, of the mixture of things that are in the houses. We'll be back and continue the conversation. The next segment's where it's your show, so if you have a question that uh, is worrying you about the fires in the houses these days, you can call it in or you can text it in. 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We'll be right back. Deputy Chief Roger Toombs and Assistant Chief Jeff Wright from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue are with us this morning. We've got your local sports fix. We tease it five. It's all sports talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett here on WGNS. As the Christmas season is approaching, there are many parties out there and last minute gifts, and Demas's is here to be able to help you along with all those things. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the things that we have to offer is obviously our gift cards, and the gift cards come in any denomination. We have our seasonings that makes a perfect gift. We have Demas's classic t shirts. Demas's also now has catering to be able to serve you and to be able to take care of you. 
Any of this information is available online, www.demusrestaurants.com. Hi, this is Dan at Music World in Drummer's Den. We have a large selection of guitars, probably uh, one of the biggest in the area, uh, third largest drum selection in Tennessee. We have layaway plans available, and this is real popular at Christmas. You can put some money down on it and keep it here at the store until right before Santa comes. Then you can pick it up, and everybody's happy Christmas morning. From Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across the street from Indian Hills Golf Course. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. 452nd Palm Group, right before Thanksgiving. I flew my first mission. Well, it was noisy and bumpy, and uh, I was scared to death. Everybody's scared. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. When we got back, the ground crew, which looked after just our B-17 plane, one of the maintenance men came in. The radio man sits in a little space with a desk and all the radio equipment in the middle of the plane. And you have a window on your left. And he came in and looked around. He said, well, that whole one there, when you took off, we would have fixed that. I didn't remember it, but we had been hit by a fighter. But I didn't know it. There's so much noise and so much activity, you know, that didn't hear it. From that time on, I was a little wiser. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. The name of the plane was Lamb's Wolves. Our pilot, until our last mission, our pilot was a fellow named Lamb, and so we named the plane Lamb's Wolves. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know, and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. He's local. Certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Financial Coaching Radio. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Our good neighbor of the day today is Sarah Pritchard. Sarah Pritchard, always helping others, keeping her friends and family close, and checking on them daily just to be sure that they're safe. Sarah Pritchard receives flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. Hey, let us know about your good neighbor. Send us their name, address, and phone number, and tell us why they should be the good neighbor of the day. Our barbecue winner, the birthday winner, who gets the delicious banana pudding from Slick Pig is Reverend Stanley Clark. Our birthday winner today, Reverend Stanley Clark. And we're talking this morning about keeping you safe. Visiting with us from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, Deputy Chief Roger Toombs and Assistant Chief Jeff Wright. This is a segment where it's your show, so if you have a question you want to ask. Maybe you've had a house fire and you really appreciate the work that Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue or whatever department serves your area. Maybe uh, 
you want to call and do a little shout out for them too. That would be good. 615-893-1450. That's our number. And you can talk or text on that number. 615-893-1450. The fire department, I'm sure, has changed quite a bit from, uh, you know, years past. Well, in addition to uh, technology and things of that sort, uh, the way you operate, is that different? The way you go to fires, the way you handle fires, the way you attack the blaze, is that different from yes, what it used to be? it's different from when I started. When I started, uh, unfortunately, we didn't wear air packs back then. Of course, you know, it's, we, it's, you got to have an air pack. It's like a lifeline. And some of the tactics have changed somewhat because of the way construction is built now. And uh, where uh, when I the last year we did just fire calls only we we made 1,800 calls and I think this past year we made like 20,000 calls. Wow! About 75, 80 percent of our calls are medical now, but uh, uh, it's changed a lot. You know, we got more personnel now. We we got a safe grant to a couple years back, so uh, we we put more engine companies or errors on the scene now with more people to help extinguish the fires. Uh, we're a whole, a whole lot younger department now than we used to be. Uh, we got like 242 mm-hmm. counting the retire, part-timers, so it's grown a lot since I've been there. Of course, this is my 34th year there, too. Now, with your new training center, well, I say new, you've had it a few mm-hmm. years now, the Doug Young Training Center. Yes, sir. Uh, is it is it helping a lot? Is it, Do you use it on a regular basis? Yes. Uh, part of it is our ISO. Uh, you got to get 20 hours in. We also got to get 40 hours in, serv- in service for the state. And we also we just kind of completed a recruit class, which we we do a three week in house, and then we do a ten week class. It's just a, a T-Factor class. It's our our instructors are certified, and it's over 300 hours they complete, which it gives them the knowledge to to uh, be able to handle stuff on the fire scene. Uh, they teach them how you know most are here lately. We get recruits who have no experience in fire or very little experience, so we put them to a class to before we put them on any apparatus. And uh, it's very, you know, it's very intense. Uh, you teach them how to put on, air, uh, turn out your properly, your air packs, hose line, how to search and rescue, how to properly use hose line in, uh, in a house. Also teach them how to use ladders. And then after that, we got coming up, I think next week is a smoke diver class, which is very intense. We're one of the rare departments still mandatory that because it's one of the most physical demanding classes you can have, but it also teaches you what you can and cannot do in air pack. So it'll probably save your life or the person with you life. Uh, so it's a class that we, we highly recommend our person. We It's mandatory in our personnel. Now, we are an ISO rating of one. Yes, we sir. have an ISO rating of one, which is as good as you can get. There's nothing better. No, sir. Uh, and there are only a, a handful of fire departments across the entire nation that are ISO ratings of one. That is bound to attract people who want to become firefighters. Uh, start with the best. <laughs> Let's go to Murfreesboro. Yeah, we're very proud of that. And also it, it helps the residents and also the commercial business because it helps lower their insurance premiums because of ISO one. And the, the insurance pro, uh, companies look at the fact that we can get there in such a quick pace that it minimizes the damage to the home most times. We have a, a listener who's asking us, they said that they received a, an email inviting them to a stakeholders meeting next week uh, with the fire department. What is a stakeholders meeting? Uh, do you all know what that is? It's uh, 
They said it was December the 9th at Patterson Community Center. It might be to our community risk reduction division. I'm not oh, okay. aware of that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's who sent the email yeah. out. I actually got the same email yeah. while I was off, and I came in, and I haven't actually had a chance to talk to them. But generally what it is, I, it's probably more of a sit-down meeting with the public and things like that to uh, inform them of things we have going on and maybe mm -hmm. needs or things that they would like to see in the community, too, to help us expand services and stuff that we provide. Uh, that's You were talking about being able to attract people. A lot of our training stuff that we do now is very attractive to people Correct. because we do so many different things. I mean, we just don't do fire and medical. I, you know, we've got special operations stuff. We do water, uh, uh, collapse, and all kinds that of different you know there's so many different avenues that you can pursue in the fire service now so we've got specialized stations for that too so being able to offer this training stuff that that is a good tool that we have that we bring some very good candidates into uh, the department through like deputy chief said we have a lot of folks now that we're having to train in-house we don't send those to the state fire school anymore because we have the facility here we have a lot of our instructors that are in our department that actually teach for the fire school so we actually run those in-house and we kind of uh, can tailor those classes to uh, what our needs are you know they can use our equipment and things like that and be familiar with that when they do go on shift when they complete their training and stuff now chief mark fox is always telling us about the hopes and plans for having the new fire department headquarters at the training center itself with that being there are there some thoughts of putting any new services into that building well uh what we'll actually build at the training facility is going to be an administrative office is where we'll actually be located at uh right now our crews they have the option to rotate in and out of there during the daytime they schedule that with their shift training officers so even our own shift crews they actually can go out of service for training and go over there and uh, if they have something specific they want to train on and i know our training officers a lot of times sit they will set certain topics up for that month and every company from every station rotates through for that month and that's some of the stuff that we do that's how we maintain our iso rating and things like that by having specific type training that has to be met during that time now sometimes of the day we notice uh, just by being next door to you we can look out the window and see the big fire trucks parked at your administrative office mm -hmm. are there not enough fire departments to place these fire engines at or do you place them around town geographically well we have them strategically placed to where we can be at any residence within five minutes of a actual call coming in and that's the way it's actually made right now or the way that we're set up uh, when you see them coming into the administrative offices a lot of times they're coming in they could be coming in for some training purposes uh, they may be coming in to pick up medical supplies and things like that too or uh, sometimes they come in for meetings you know we'll, we'll have a company come in and we have to rotate our companies around to make sure that we keep that coverage there you know even if we have them out of service during training and stuff that doesn't mean that we have an area that's not going to be covered with fire and medical protection from our standpoint so uh, we we do move them around but the luxury of having that training facility i know when we started like deputy chief said i think i've only been here about 20 years now when i came we were doing just a little over 13 or 1400 calls a mm -hmm. year and we started medical a year after i got here because that's the division i'm assigned to now uh 
we went and like he said we're doing over 20,000 calls a year right now so uh, the needs there uh, and that's what we're here for so I mean we we're, we're proud of the department what we have we have a lot of good equipment we have a lot of good employees too we have a text here from a listener who's saying when I was a kid we used to walk by the Vine Street Fire Hall and they would be washing the fire trucks on a regular basis and they always talked about how important it was to keep the fire trucks clean on the outside and underneath as well I also remember the Dalmatian dogs does the dogs and keeping fire trucks clean is that still important today we don't have uh, any dogs no more, but uh, <clears throat> we, we don't clean as much as we used to. We clean like first thing in the morning because of our run volume. Uh, I know when I started, every time you got off the ramp and got on the street, you, you washed the apparatus. Yeah. Uh, and of course, some of our old equipment that you washed so much started rusting a little bit on, on the wheel wells. But yeah, but, I mean, we do them first thing in the morning or sometime in the morning. And then of course, we they it's just the run volume we have, it's, it's hard to do that. But now, not since I've been there, we had any damnation. I know first thing people ask me all the time about Station 1 is, do you have a dog or do you have a pole? Well, we don't have a pole either. We have a slide at Station 4 on Medical Center Parkway, but no pole. Did you ever work in a fire station that had the pole? No, sir. Uh, no, none of the stations. Only two-store stations that I ever worked or have is Station 4 currently now. All ours have been on one stories, one, one floors. Is, is the slide quicker or safer? Or what? Well, it's, it's safer, for one thing. Uh, that's why we, well, also they wouldn't let us put a pole in, but it's a whole lot safer just for the slide. Okay, so that uh, is just as fast, but... Oh, it's quick. So, oh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I went down there one day, so it's, it's, it's very quick. Yeah, and their living quarters, where they actually yeah. at night, if they if they have the opportunity to sleep, they will be upstairs. Mm-hmm. So it is actually safer for them to come down that slide versus trying to come downstairs at 2 o'clock in the morning when they were just awoken or something mm-hmm. like that, too. So it is a safety thing. And talking about the pole, a lot of your insurance companies and stuff, they, they mm-hmm. really frown on those poles anymore. I know there's still departments that have them, but most of them have it to where there is a lock mechanism where children cannot come in and hit the button to open that door or something. Most of the time it's really, really high where an adult would have to open that door. So, you know, the safety issue and the insurance companies, a lot of them, you know, they kind of frown on those poles simply for a safety standpoint because of visits and stuff Mm -hmm. that come into the station. While this listener brought up the Dalmatian dogs, did they really serve a purpose? Were, is there something about a Dalmatian, or is, is that just something that was in a Norman Rockwell picture? I mean, as far as I, I don't know if it's any special purpose of the Dalmatian, but every older picture I've seen had a Dalmatian dog. Yeah, on. a lot of them, they help with the horse-drawn yeah. steamers and stuff. Yeah. Those yeah. dogs would help guide those and things like that. So there actually was a purpose. Uh, I can't remember all of it, but I do remember doing some reading on mm-hmm. that, some history stuff about that, what the Dalmatian actually served in the fire service. and. Even when I was growing up, I mean, you always seen pictures that had the Dalmatians and stuff like that. And I used to raise them, actually. I I used to raise them and sell them. And I did have a few fire departments that actually bought them, some volunteer departments and stuff. So uh, it's just more of a look thing, I think, from the past. But they did serve a purpose as far as back during the horse-drawn days and things like that. Now, you you brought up the horse-drawn days and the old (laughs) steamers. That, that's what we don't we have one of those <laughs> yes we do we have one at, it's at station four it's a 1892 steamer um, it actually belonged to nashville originally and then we got it back in the early 1900s and it was at 
he was over at the Cannonsburg for a long period of time. He was starting to just fall apart, and we got it back and restored it. So where, it, where was it? Because I don't remember at, seeing it. It was at Cannonsburg up there where there used to be the old farmer's market. Okay. It was so up there it was for years. The yeah, they, okay. went, they finally enclosed it. So when nobody gets anything off of it, but yeah. it's a beautiful piece of equipment. Oh, they totally redid yeah, it's it. Gorgeous, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, can parents bring their kids by Station Four? Oh, absolutely. We we highly recommend that. We we tell them to come by because uh, you know they they the taxpayers. So we actually work for them. So come by and anytime you want to. Our guys are more happy to show off any station we got. You know, uh, a lot of people come over and take pictures. You know, they put the kids up there and they take pictures. Uh, it may, I think, a couple of years ago it was in the uh, parade. So we actually had hooked up to some sheriff's department horses and had it in the parade. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah we cool. have an education room that's actually there on the front of Station right. 4 on Medical Center Parkway, and it's got a lot of history stuff mm-hmm. that shows progression of the department and things. There's some equipment and things that were used back in the early days, and that steamer is actually there. So Now, there may be some people listening who don't relate to Station 4. Where is Station 4? It's on Medical Center Parkway. Right before you get out to the hospital. Okay, so, yeah. between the the river mm-hmm. and the hospital. Yes. Yeah, it actually sits right there on the river yeah. pretty much. Yeah, pretty we do much. water training it's at It's got much for fire and rescue on the side. It's got a big st- number four. So it's mm-hmm. a beautiful building. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And so just come by during oh, absolutely. daytime, yeah. regular hours? Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. We, we encourage that for the public. Or if okay. they have groups, the Cub yeah. Scouts, Girl Scouts, and things like that, a lot of times they would call administration, and we actually will schedule them a time to make sure that we have a crew available that will be there to meet them when they come in. I know a lot of your uh, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. they get uh, badges and stuff from coming in and doing like visits at the fire station and going over first aid or something like that, too. So we do have a lot of people coming in when we really like for them to come most of our stations uh, are not quite as big as that and they don't look like this one but where it is and where it's located with that education room and stuff we really invite people to come in and to view the station because you can do a station tour as well as see the education room now you mentioned that you're right next to the river and water rescue is there do you does that slow down this time of the year or Uh, I guess if you have a water rescue now, it's pretty serious. Yeah, and a lot of that, you know, hinges on flooding problems from some of the heavy rains and things like that. Uh, A lot of times we see a whole lot more water-related incidents during the warmer months when people are actually out doing things. And we have some people that will get out during, you know, flooding and things like that and get out there and wind up getting trapped or something to where we have to deploy out to help get them. Let's take a phone call. Good morning. You're on WGNS. Yeah, good morning. Hey, Bart, I just have uh, want to just kind of make a few comments. Uh, first of all, I want to say I appreciate the work that the, all the firefighters do, but especially uh, Marsboro Fire and Rescue. But one thing that uh, Roger spoke on a while ago was um, about the firefighters, especially in Murfreesboro, about 75, 80% of our calls now are medical and I just wanted to kind of bring awareness, and I'll get off here in a minute and let y'all talk about it, but uh, it's kind of different for firefighters now because they, uh, they're they under a whole lot more stress. Uh, the things that they see uh, and they deal with on a daily basis from the calls that they make, and so uh, just kind of make awareness. I know it's usually known a lot in the military as post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's... Uh, it's really rampant in the fire service today, and uh, a lot of firefighters uh, suffer from it. So anyway, I'll get off here and let y'all talk about it a little bit, but I think it's due to the nature of the calls that uh, the fire service uh, 
receives today or uh, that they make. But anyway, again, I want to say I appreciate the job and the stuff that they do every day. Thank you. Very definitely. Thank you for calling. What about that? I had not even thought about that aspect. Well, the city offers EAP, Employee Assistant Program, and, and <clears throat> everybody handles tragedy differently. And we encourage, if you have a situation where you're having problems, we encourage you to, to reach out. We also got a chaplain program. We got four chaplains on shift. And we do, uh, our guys are really, really good coming back from a call, sit down and discussing it so make sure everybody's okay. But yes, he's correct. They, we see a whole lot more stuff now today than we did when I started. And it affects everybody a little differently. So yeah, he's right about uh, how it affects you. You know, it's more of a mental challenge now than it is physical because of the demand of the medical calls. But Jeff might want to elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, like Dave Chief was talking about our chaplains and stuff, if we do have a critical incident or something, our chaplains are very good to go to that mm -hmm. station and talk to those crews immediately after that happens. You know, a lot of times just being able to talk about that stuff, be able to get that off of your chest, to, you know, uh, that helps you to rebound or respond back from that. Uh, we, uh, the PTSD, it mm -hmm. is real. You know, military, you hear a lot of it from that. Emergency services that way. The suicide rates and things like that, um, I, I can't quote what the actual numbers mm -hmm. and stuff are, but there's a lot of emergency service personnel that actually uh, – commit suicide yearly you know so there is a really big push on that like you said the epa program the city officers we do have that the chaplain services that we have they go out and they will do uh you know the peer team will actually go out if we if it gets to that point that we needed to do something like that and it's simply because of you know the responses and things that's being seen now i mean it's just uh stuff that we probably don't want to talk about on the radio mm -hmm. but uh, uh a lot of stuff that we see that you know maybe the public doesn't know that we see and deal with on a daily basis now now when a person signs up to be a firefighter and they've always had this desire this dream of being a firefighter and they get into the fire department did they realize going in do the new recruits realize that it's more than going into a fire now you might go up to a accident scene and see a, a, a little child mm -hmm. that's that's really hurt or and dying. That's, that, that's something that's really changed over the years, mm -hmm. too. Most of your fire services now do provide some type of medical response stuff. I know all, just about basically all your full-time service. Uh, Rutherford County uh, provides medical services as well. So uh, just the number of calls and things, I mean, and that really ramps up training and things like that that we have to do as well. I mean, we have to get these people coming in with no training whatsoever and we run them through and they have a set amount of time because of job description that they have to get an advanced emergency medical technician license to be able to perform the services that we're providing mm -hmm. now. A whole lot of different things happening. The world is changing quickly. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll pause for just a moment. We'll be back for the final segment. If you have a question or a comment, maybe something you've observed, don't hold off anymore. We're just minutes until the end of the show. 615-893-1450. That's the number to call, talk, or text. 615-893-1450. The Wake Up Crow. Weekday morning, 6 to 750. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your gift needs. 
We have great car clothing and our muck boots, and we have any kind of gift you would need for Christmas. Always don't forget our gift department. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Remember, you don't have to be a member to shop here. Come on by and say howdy to Tina Fox at the Co-op Farm and Home Center. It is your Christmas headquarters. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Skies become mostly sunny this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 44. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 47. Good morning. Traffic's busy, but it's moving 24 through the Hickory Hollow area as you continue towards Nashville. Just give yourself extra time. Traffic's still moving right now. Fairly decent as we check it out live on 24 as you not only continue uh, towards Nashville, but up towards Chattanooga as well. Gatlinburg Wine Cellar, home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. Log on to GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chug. You're on time traffic. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450, online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. Remember, if you're listening in Smyrna, tune to 100.5, FM 100.5. If you're listening in Murfreesboro, tune to FM 101.9 or AM 1450. And uh, if you listen to 100.5, Five in Murfreesboro, be sure that you switch at least by January the 1st because we're, uh, we're making things a whole lot more powerful down in the northern end of the county as well as keeping it powerful uh, in the Murfreesboro area too. 615-893-1450, you're looking at a new side of firefighting. I guess this is pretty much the trend, the things we're talking about. Is this happening everywhere? Yes, I'll say it would be, yes. So the firefighters are not only fighting fires, they're going to wrecks, they're going to drug overdoses, Mm -hmm. they're going to suicides. Correct. Uh, You're seeing the worst of everything. Yes, sir, correct. And 20,000 calls, did you say? 20,000 calls, yeah. Golly. Mm -hmm. I can see how PTSD would get in there. You see something 20,000 times in a year. And it wears on you. I mean, it's just kind of a cumulative building up thing that happens. You know, that's the reason that we really stress, you know, once we do have a critical incident, getting people out there to talk to them, uh, letting the crews talk about it to get it off their chest and things like that. You know, that's part of the healing phase that's got to be done. So, Now, when it's a drug overdose and we have so many people involved in drugs these days, do you carry... Is it Narcon or Nar- Narcan? Narcan. Narcan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, so tell us how how that does. Does it do a good job? Yeah, most of the time it will. Uh, like I said, over the last couple of years, there's been a really, really 
large increase in the number of overdose calls that we actually respond to. Uh, we do carry the Narcan where we can do it actually nasally. We just spray it in the nose. Uh, we arrive, you know, we most of the time what we, we instruct our crews with, we don't want to use so much to wake the person up. All we want to do is improve their breathing. What happens a lot of times, somebody, once they overdose, they go unresponsive, their breathing pattern will get down to, you know, anywhere from two to five times a minute, and obviously the body is not going to survive like that. We arrive, we go ahead and administer the Narcan and start assisting them with a bag valve mask, helping them breathe. Uh, we want to improve that breathing. Uh, a lot of times when you're dealing with overdose patients and things like that, if you completely arouse or wake these people up, uh, they uh, are not very happy. Uh, a lot of times they can become violent and things like that, and a lot of times, depending on how much medication as far as the Narcan you give, you can cause some nausea and vomiting and things like that to happen that's going to compound the problem you're already dealing with. So uh, I know law enforcement carry it now as well. So a lot of times when they do their response, if they get on the scene before us, they may go ahead and administer that. We come in behind them and start caring for the patient, and then once the ambulance service does arrive, you know, the transfer of care happens, then they provide that care from that point to the hospital. Did a recent law enable firefighters to become uh, considered law enforcement officers also? Because sometimes you're on the scene before the police get there. Right. Uh, we don't do that here. I know some departments actually have some integrated people that are you know, performing law enforcement and fire stuff as well. I think Lebanon used to do that. They used to have some officers that done that were uh, joint trained like that, and they would respond in their vehicle. They could assist with fire stuff, but they also were law enforcement too. So we actually don't have any in our department no. that are doing that right now. We only have about 30 or so seconds left, very short time. Uh, any final thoughts, concerns that you want to share with people during this Christmas season? Well, most importantly, if you got a live tree, make sure when you uh, Christmas, make sure you, it stays moist so it don't, because you got Christmas lights on it and they, they dry up and they can uh, become fire hazards. Uh, also, when you're cooking, like I said earlier, like ham stuff of that nature, make sure you adhere to all the safety devices we talked about earlier. And we just want to make sure all our residents are safe through the holiday season. Very definitely. Thank you both, not only for the job that you do, but for everything the entire firefighters do in our community. Visiting with us today, Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Deputy Chief Roger Toombs and Assistant Chief Jeff Wright. Thank you again. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Stay with us. Truman is next right here on your good neighbor station, WGNS Murfreesboro.